Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The book of 1 John chapter 3, verse number 7. I... Uh, I'm just going to be transparent. Um, a few days ago, we're honored, so honored to have Brother Trey Davis with us. He's been spending some time here this week and uh, will be ministering for us in our second service. And I'm telling you, we are in for a treat. You don't want to leave. You don't want to leave. If you can only be here for one service, leave now and come back. <laughs> Come back to the second service. And uh, he and I were talking the other day and we were talking about actually the service that I first ever remember meeting him. And due to that conversation, in part, I, I feel kind of led to go where I'm going today. And um, the book of First John chapter 3 and verse number 7. I believe that there is a purpose in the heart of God I truly believe that God has a schedule, he has a plan, and he has a reason for our lives. I do not ever want to, to buy into the idea that we are just spiritual tumbleweeds blowing at random and at will. But God has a purpose for our life, and I'm thankful, I'm thankful to know that. And there are times and seasons of our lives that it's a little bit hard to always understand that purpose and, and, and um, sometimes hard to discover that. But um, the Bible says, 1 John 3 and 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of of the devil, amen. So we're, we're not here, we are fighting a battle, we're fighting a formidable foe and I would be less than honest to tell you that but I do us, we must also understand that, that God is on our side and that whatever we face in this journey we call life, whatever we encounter, God is gonna see us through, amen, amen. I love the Lord today. And I'm gonna to try to just preach a little while. And so that's gonna be a challenge <laughs> because my heart is full today. That'll be a challenge, but we have a guest and I want him to have adequate time this morning. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I'm touched by a lot of things that are part of the work of God. I don't mind to tell you that I am enamored with the work of God, the kingdom of God, and... Um, that is not to say I have never been discouraged. That is not to say that I have, um, 
that I've never been frustrated by all means. Those things all come into play in all of our lives. But I love the work of God. I love serving God. And uh, I, I'm thankful that somehow or another when the Lord gave me the Holy Ghost that he also gave me with that the desire to, to serve him. Amen. I, I don't want to just worship him, but I want to serve him as well. And, uh, and so there are many aspects of the kingdom's call that I enjoy. But I believe uh, one of the things, one of the things at the top of a short list that moved me the most is being in the presence of the Lord when we come together in worship. And uh, I, I, am, I am not being pretentious before you this morning, but as we begin to start the service and the presence of the Lord begins to move, I, I am, I'm, I'm, always, I'm always touched by that and I don't wanna ever lose the awe of that. Amen, I don't ever wanna lose the awe of that. I don't ever wanna be in a service where the presence of the Lord is evidenced and I don't feel that. I love the presence of the Lord. There's nothing like, nothing quite like being in the presence of the Lord. I love that and, and if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you love the Lord with all your heart and uh, please, please understand I said two things there. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost and, and you love the Lord with all of your heart because there's some people that have the Holy Ghost but they don't love the Lord with all their heart. But when you have the Holy Ghost and you love the Lord with all of your heart, there is an insatiable desire to be in the presence of God. I must, I must. There's something inside of me like physical hunger. There's a spiritual hunger that, that touches and moves and impacts. And so I must be in the presence of the Lord. And, and uh, it is a joy. It really is a joy to be in the presence of God. And, and I will tell you emphatically that there's nothing superficial about people worshiping God. There, there's nothing superficial about that. We're, we're not here lifting our hands so that we can be seen of men. We're not singing out loud so that we can be heard of men. Uh, but there is a relation, there is a real relationship. And I don't think that God has any desire to take that from us. Fearfully and wonderfully, he made us and uh, gave us passion, gave us emotions and gave us things that we relate to. And so I believe that God doesn't want to take that from us and he understands uh, the effect that um, carnality has on our lives. He understands the, uh, the effect that sin has upon our lives. And so... Um, I'm guessing that, that for the most part, there may be a few here today, but I'm guessing that the majority of this congregation didn't leave an eight-hour prayer meeting and show up here to church at 10. Just throwing it out there. But you've been dealing with sin, you've been dealing with carnality, you've been dealing with the world and the pressure that we live in. And so God understands that in our emotion and in, in our frail humanity that we relate to his presence and so he touched us with his presence and so that being said I want to connect uh, if I can to my Bible study Wednesday night and underscore some of the importance of working or serving in the areas that God has called each and every one of us individually to do and I believe that we all have a call of God to some degree upon our lives and so before God called us to anything I believe he called us to be a servant, to serve. 
and, uh, and so you, I, I tell our leaders all the time, a person that can't figure out first how to follow will never be a leader. You must learn how to follow. And then great followers many times become great leaders. You've also heard me say this, referring to some of, uh, some of our elders, and I say that with huge respect, but we have some elders here in our church today that at some point in their life with God received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and began their journey with the Lord and they began to follow the leadership of the church. And in time, their faithfulness and their dedication and their own particular gift and call of God brought them into roles of leadership. And then as time began to move on, uh, age or health or certain things may be, uh, may be prohibited, their leadership involvement. And you know what they did? They didn't get bitter and take their bag and go home, but they learned how to be followers again. So we start out following and then we may lead, but we, we had always realize, must realize that, that uh, I may be called on to follow again. And so uh, many years ago now, I came to pastor a church that I spent a lot of my growing up years in. And, uh, and I had the privilege, I had the privilege to pastor people that watched me grow up. They had the challenge. <laughs> they had the challenge to follow. And I'm thankful that together we were able to do that. That makes sense? And so let's ask God to help us to realize that at the top of the list of any, of any uh, accomplishments in the kingdom, we're called to serve. I realize that part of my job description, of course, as a pastor of this church is to preach or declare the whole counsel of God. That is a part, I, I was not elected to stand here behind the pulpit. You weren't looking for a comedian. You, you, weren't looking for a, uh, you weren't looking for a life coach. You weren't just looking for somebody to come share a few cute stories and shake our hands and go home. Amen. We, we, you were desiring somebody to be a preacher of the gospel, to stand and not only to talk about the word, but to help make sense of the word, to rightly divide, to teach, to be able to pull it down to the, to the middle shelf, if I can put it that way. And, and uh, you know, there's no sense in, in preaching or teaching on a subject if we all walk out of here and have no clue what happened. And so I have a responsibility to make sense of the word. And, and for somebody to say, when they leave, you know, I, I feel like I've got a better understanding of that, a better grasp of that. So because I understand that principle, I do my very best to preach or teach every time I step behind what I refer to as this sacred desk because it's far more than just a wooden piece of furniture. However, I also understand something about the call of God that is upon my life and the lives of others that are a part of this church and that is this, the gospel is not just something that is to be shouted or declared from the mountaintop. The gospel is to be served. Amen. Not just get up and scream about it, but the gospel is to be served. Amen. It's, so it's not just what I do or what I say on Sunday uh, or Wednesday from the vantage point of this desk that matters. It's the servant spirit that we keep as we live every day. So it's not what, what, not what we do while we're holding the mic, if I put it maybe in that context. Or it's not what we do while we have the, the name badge pinned to our lapel, but it's what we do when we walk out of this 
what we do when we walk out of this building. It was with extreme sarcasm that William Reese wrote the following. He said, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my peace, just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a man of another race or, or pick beats with a migrant worker. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want about a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. With extreme sarcasm, that is pinned, but that should pierce the heart of every man and woman in this building that we are not in pursuit of just enough God to make us feel better about ourselves, just enough spirit to help us feel, well, well, everything's all right, everything must be well. I wanna understand that God, Brother Rayleigh, has a purpose in my life and, and he has a purpose for my life and so I have, I have must be in pursuit of that and so just because God has entrusted us with a new birth does not mean that we have arrived. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we just begin, we just start. I know I've said this many times, but you know what, I've said many things many times. But when, when, you, when someone stands before me in a, in a ceremony of, of matrimony or a wedding ceremony, and in just a few minutes, depending on how many songs, my part doesn't really take that long, but depending on how many songs and candles and doves we let loose and all that, in just a few moments, you're gonna need more than doves, by the way. In just a few moments, we're about to pronounce something and turn you around and introduce to the world, Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so. They are now husband and wife. That's not the end that is the beginning. That's where we start. April the 8th, 1985, a nurse placed Justin in my arms and I became a father. But that was just the beginning place. That's just where we start, just the beginning. And so we, we receive the Holy Ghost. That's, that's not the high shelf. That's just where we begin. So now the task before me is to run with patience the race that is set before me. Amen, God did, didn't save me to save me, and God didn't call me just to call me, but he calls with a purpose. He has a, a keen sense of purpose. Solomon said in his writings of Ecclesiastes 3 and 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. So to varying degrees, this understanding helps us during seasons of disappointment or seasons of frustration that God has a purpose for everything under the sun. Everything that happens in our lives happens for a reason. That is a, that is a broad statement of Solomon to us. We can rest assured that there is nothing in our life that doesn't happen that God doesn't know about. Amen. Please stay with me for just a moment. God is not busy in the back room while the devil in hell is just having a heyday in our lives. And then all of a sudden, God walks back into the front room and says, well, what in the world's going on here? By no means, his eye is ever on us. And he has given angels charge over us. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. 
to, to, to be with us, to walk with us, and even bear us up should we stumble against the stone. And so God has a divine purpose and he is not toying with us, so to speak. There's an eternal purpose that God is dealing with. There's a greater and far more extensive purpose that God is working with. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 24, I want to read verses one through seven. The Bible says in Jeremiah 24 and one, the Lord showed me and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. Skip to verse two, if you will. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe, and the other basket had very naughty figs, which could not be eaten, they were bad. Then said the Lord unto me, what seest thou, Jeremiah? And I said, figs, the good figs, very good, and the evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. For, verse six, for I will smite, I will rather set mine eyes upon them for good and I will bring them again to this land and I will build them and not pull them down and I will plant them and not pluck them up. Glory to God, <laughs> amen. And I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return unto me with their whole hearts. What an incredible story. I realize that you know I just brought you into the middle of this but there, here's an incredible story with somewhat a strange twist. The Bible says that God set before Jeremiah two baskets of figs. One was good, the other was evil. Now ordinarily in our minds, we would automatically think that, the, that uh, God would curse the evil and reward the good. That's what we would think. Amen, however, that's not at all what the Lord is showing Jeremiah. He said it was the good figs that's gonna be carried away captive. That's not how we like to think it ought to happen. That's not, that's not what we think it ought to be. And, and so God, but God knows exactly what he is doing, even when it doesn't make sense to us. We think, how could any good come of this? I, I've asked that question's, question many, many times. And, and I, in all honesty, have not seen the rationale behind every time I asked that question, but many times I got through the other side of the storm and, and I had that aha moment. I said, oh, oh, that's what God was trying to accomplish. I said, my, I'm really glad I didn't circumvent what he was trying to do. I'm glad that I didn't frustrate his will. He had a purpose. He had something going on, but it just didn't make sense to me. <laughs> Amen. I wish I could remember what's on my mind. <clears throat> That's a scary thing, isn't it? But I saw a little sign. <laughs> I saw a little sign in the shop about the, the price of labor charges for something. Like if you bring it to them, the labor is so much an hour. But if you ask questions, it was more an hour. If you want to help, it's even more an hour. <laughs> so pardon me for not having all that together, but you get the, the idea. And I wonder if God ever feels that way. When we're standing there peering over the counter, we want to touch, we want to see, we want to get involved. You know, it's, it's hard. It's hard for us to stay back. It's hard for us to keep our hands off of it. Amen. 
And so I, I am not, um, I am not a um, skilled, learned typist. I, I just do the best I can. And my daughter-in-law does know how to type. And uh, so the other day we were in my office and I was trying to fix something. She's looking over my shoulder and I said, this has to be really tough for you. This has to be really tough for you. And she acknowledged that it was really tough <laughs> to just sit with her because she just wanted to reach around. She probably wanted to just move me out of the way and just, you know, while you're trying to figure this out, I'll be done. And so we do God that way sometimes. We, we see him misspelling words, we think. We see him missing a comma, we think. We see him missing some little thing and, and we're, just, we're just like this, trying to reach around and it's all we can do, but we have to realize that God has a purpose. Now this makes no sense that we are going to take the good figs and we're gonna put them in captivity and we're gonna preserve the bad figs. This makes no sense, but God said, I have a plan and I have a purpose and I know what I'm doing and when I am finished with all of this, amen, he said, I am gonna set my eyes on them for good. This makes no sense to you right now, Jeremiah, but I'm gonna bring them out again. I am gonna set them out. I'm gonna bring them out of this land. I will build them up. I will not pull them down and I will plant them. I'm not going to pluck them up. I know right now you think that I am on a mission of destruction, but I have a purpose in my mind. I will give Give them a heart to know me in all of this for I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God and when they return to me, they're not gonna return half-hearted but when they return to me, they will return with their whole heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God knows what he is doing. He knows what he is doing. If you remember the story of Queen Esther, as our musicians prepare to come, please. She was a Jewish maiden. She was shown favor and made the queen. Esther 2 and 5. Now in Shushan, the place where there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away captive from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Jeconiah, the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. So here, here's, here we find this story of captivity. We find, that again, again, we find good figs carried away. This doesn't make sense to me. Here she is right in the middle of where God wanted her to begin with. And I, I realize that this is such a very familiar story to an adult Bible class, but hear me this morning. She could have been complaining about why was I the one carried away? Not realizing God had a plan. God had a plan. However, God had a much larger part of her life. Maybe she thought when I sit down beside the, the king, maybe the, the first time she sat there, ever how this works out, but it, in our minds, for illustration, maybe the first time she sat down, she goes, oh, I get it. This is about me. God elevated me. Oh, I get it. I understand. No, you don't, Esther. 
This is the beginning. This is just where we're starting. But God had a much larger plan. She has hardly settled down into her new position when word comes from her uncle who says there has been a decree signed by the king to destroy all the Jews. And Esther, you must do something. Esther sent word back, I can't do anything. I don't have permission. I'm not qualified. I am not this. I am not that. I can't, I can't, I can't. Does that sound like anybody in this room? You don't get it. I can't do this. I can't do, Esther sent back word, I can't do anything for this. And and uh, we understand from the law that she could have been put to death for even coming into the presence of the king without being summoned. However, Mordecai, who just wouldn't take this sitting down because he understood the gravity of what's unfolding here, he sends word back that strikes her heart, and I think it should speak to all of us today. Mordecai answered, commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. He said, for if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, if you be silent now, there's a nation that is at risk. You've got to understand this. If you, if you are quiet now, if you hold your peace at this time, then then shall their, their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth, here it is, that part that we are so familiar, whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this, you gotta understand something, Esther. This has not been a vacation journey for you. God didn't just put you up here because he thought you were cute. He didn't put you up here because he thought your looks would enhance the king. He said, I've got a purpose in all of this. And so the message was clear. You are a part of the purpose of God for this hour. Don't shirk your responsibility. Don't try to throw that to someone else. In other words, he was saying, you need, you need to serve yourself into the purpose of God. Now, I'm coming in for a landing, so hear me now. He said, you need to serve yourself into the purpose of God. Not assert yourself, serve yourself into the purpose of God. This is not the time. I'm not asking you to jump up on the fence and crow. I'm not asking you to, to whip out all of your credentials. I'm asking you to serve yourself into the purpose that God has for you. And I feel a holy anointing upon what I'm saying here today. Esther rose to the occasion and God used her to save a nation. But you gotta understand this. She didn't barge into this situation. She didn't kick down the door and with her loud and proud attitude saying, I am here with a divine order from the throne of glory. No. All of that was true. <laughs> all of that was true. She could have and been accurate in the end, but she served her way into the presence of the only man that could do anything about the situation at hand. How did she do this? And I am summarizing a big story, but she started out by declaring a fast, not just for others, but for her as well. And then the Bible says she put on her royal garment and went in and stood within the courts in plain sight of the king. 
<laughs> Please don't just listen to me, but try to follow along in your mind. She said, we're gonna pray and fast about this thing. And she said, I'm gonna put on a garment that I rightfully own. This has been given to me. And now I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this on, Brother Toby, and I'm gonna go and I'm just gonna stand in the presence of the king. I'm gonna let him see what God has blessed him with. I'm gonna let him see. I want him to view this from a different, I'm not gonna come in here as some nagging uh, voice. I'm not gonna come in here as some angst voice. I'm not gonna come in here and try to assert myself into this situation. She said, but I am going to put a robe on that rightfully belongs to me. Amen. And so uh, in, in all of this, it was so, the Bible says, Esther 5, 2, it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court when, when he looked and beheld her, amen, the Bible says that there she obtained favor in his sight. She has not said one word. <laughs> she has not kicked down one door. She has not thrown one can of beans, not, not one. But she said, I am gonna serve my way. I realize that my role and my responsibility. And so, and the Bible says that he obtained favor and, and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand so that Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said unto her, what wilt thou, Queen Esther, and what is thy request? And it shall be given to thee the half of the kingdom. I'm telling you today, that I am not here to try to press myself into the, into the purpose of God. I wanna serve myself into the purpose of God. I wanna make myself available to him. I wanna come, amen, not with any idea, with any presumption, with any, with any assumptions, but I just wanna put on the garment that belongs to me. I wanna put on that that he privileged me to wear and I wanna get in the presence of the king and get the favor of the king I'm gonna tell you, you can do far more with a spirit of favor on your life than you can do with any talent you may obtain. You may be the best singer, the best musician. You may be the best preacher, the best organizer, the best administrator. There he is under the moon. But if you don't have the favor of God, amen, every door in your life can remain shut. But if we have the favor of God, I may not be all of this and I may not be all of that, but I am walking with some divine favor upon my life, hallelujah. And when he beheld her, when he beheld her, he stretched out to her, hallelujah. He stretched out to her the authority and said, tell me what you would and I will give it to you. Tell me what you would. Let's stand. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. What a great place to be in the purpose of God, amen. We are not lost to the master plan of God. We may be, <laughs> we may be the good figs in a strange land, but we're not lost to God. He knows what he's doing. So I don't wanna let, I don't wanna let this jade me I don't want to let this ruin what God is trying to give birth to 
I want us to stay. He knows where we are and he knows what he's attempting to do with our lives. And so if we begin to search, seek the will of God in our life and then allow God to place us in his purpose in the kingdom. I know I talked about this Wednesday night, but I wanna have, I wanna have the grace for the call because if I have the absence of the grace of God that I need for the call upon my life, I, I'm gonna be in trouble in just a few short days. And so I want to, I want to walk in the purpose of God. Amen. Would you slip your hands heavenward? Would you do that? Jesus, I love you today. With all of my heart, I love you. 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 And I pray, God, for your will to be done in my life. I pray, God, for your spirit to touch us and strengthen us. God, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, oh God, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost, let it just stir our heart. Let it stir our lives in Jesus' name. Let it stir our lives. God, let it, let it, let it challenge us today. Oh, let it challenge us today. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.